Hi, everyone. Good evening. Welcome to Hawks Insiders Thursday night safe space for November 24, uh, 2022, also known as um, Fortnite, also till draft night, till Hawthorne's midfield stocks, we believe, are going to be significantly bolstered. My name is Ashley Brown. Thanks for being with us once again. It's been a fairly heavy time. Uh, lots going on. We've had a few podcasts for the Hawks Insiders. The, the AGM files, they are done. Many would say thankfully so. We will talk briefly a little bit about what we've learned from talking to each of the candidates. But we will also focus on the forthcoming national draft on Monday night and a few other matters pertaining to the Hawks. Uh, before we get into it, let me say good evening to my co-hosts once again. Andrew Weiss, hello. Good evening, Ash. Good evening, everyone. Uh, I, for one, am happy to be in the group that says uh, glad that we can move on from the AGM files. I think that they were brilliant and have provided everyone with a really good insight. It was awesome to finish off with Vanders, obviously not up for election, and hear what he had to say. But really looking forward now to focusing on the draft and um, a few more bits of content I guess, pure pure football-related. So uh, that's definitely exciting. Uh, Brad Klobansky, hello. Good evening. Well done, guys. Excellent work with the AGM files. But the time has come for draft. Politics need to be put aside. State election as well coming up this weekend. I hope everyone has voted already. Save yourself some time for the weekend. But, yes, draft is nearly here. Our Christmas time has come early. And Danny Prince, hello. Evening, Ash. Evening, everyone. Good to good to be here tonight and really excited to talk uh, some footy. Yes, uh, it is footy time, I think. Pretty heavy time, actually. There's AFLW Grand Final into the draft and I suspect the fixture might drop late next week as well. Hopefully, this time next week, we'll be able to talk about the fixture. Um, that will be following quite soon. I think the AFL wants to drop that by uh, the end of November, very early January, so uh, uh, December. So that won't be too far away either. Um, as always, we want to make this a wide-ranging conversation, so if you've got something you, you want to take part in any of our discussions going forward, um, please uh, ask to speak. We'll get you on board as quickly as you can. Just want to write a bit of housekeeping uh, a few people want to know what we're doing with the draft. We will do spaces Monday night and Tuesday night once the the draft is over on both nights. Look forward to having your company there. We'll throw some things around. I'll be at the draft both evenings. Hopefully, be able to provide some content. I very sneakily was able to put my uh, my phone under Mark McKenzie when, when he was speaking post the trade period. I'll endeavour to do so again when uh, he speaks post the draft, both nights, the club representatives and the players picked will be appearing. So there might be even a chance to hear some words as well from our draftees. So a lot of places to follow the draft, but if you want uh, to follow it from a place where someone actually will be in the room, uh, you only have one place next uh, week. Look out on Twitter for the highlights and how to find us on that night. Um, we will start with a bit of other news, and then we will get into the draft. We had thought Ollie Hadraham was going to join us tonight. He still might. If he, if he puts his head up on uh, Twitter, we'll get him on. He said he was going to, he's keen to have a chat to us, and that might have to wait another 
week or two, he's just travelling back from overseas. He might be uh, asleep for all we know, or slight cricket training down at uh, the Kingston Hawks or whatever it is he plays for these days. Let's start firstly with a bit of news, sort of indirectly related to Hawthorne, but also directly related to Hawthorne. A couple of famous Hawthorne alumni are joining Clarko at North Melbourne. It'll probably be worth throwing around that for a couple of minutes. Uh, so joining Clarko as the coach at the Shinboners, we have, and Cam Matthews, who's pretty much swapped roles uh, from Hawthorne to North. And by the way, his job was advertised recently. If you think you've got what it takes to be the general manager of football for Hawthorne, which would, I guess, reporting to Rob McCartney, who's the executive general manager of football, I think a website called sportspeople.com.au, Andrew, has it advertised. You, you said that to us. It does. I think three and a half hours, though, to get your application in. Oh, right. Today's today's the last day. So, uh, look, if you if you've got the ability to get a good enough application in in that time, you you probably deserve the job. To be honest, yeah, happy if you jump off the spaces now and finalise your CV. Um, but we we discovered this week that Liam Shields. Uh, no real surprise. It's been rumoured for several months. Liam Shields, warrior of the Hawthorne Football Club, three-time premiership player, midfielder, um, is going to most likely join North Melbourne as a supplementary uh, selection period addition for them. So it won't be for a few weeks. At we speak, I think he's played golf at Cypress Point in America with Jack Gunston and uh, Mitch Lewis, among others. So he won't be joining North uh, anytime soon. But my question for you, Brad, is... Given all the experience that's left the Hawthorne Football Club, of which he was, you know, the 1,146 games or so of experience that's left the club, he's going to go to North Melbourne in sort of a, you know, mentoring role. You know, he'll play, be a bit of a coach, culture setter. Should Hawthorne have allowed him the chance to do that for one more year? I think so. I think he's a loss. He's a great clubman. We know how young our team is going into next season. Obviously, Jack Gunston's gone up to Brisbane. Mitchell and O'Meara, to a lesser extent, are leaving. Wouldn't I wouldn't call Mitchell and O'Meara great uh, leaders, but they were experienced players. Uh, Jake is probably a better leader than Tom was. I don't know. I, I'd take you. I thought Jake O'Meara was a pretty good leader. Yeah, Jago was yeah, def, uh, a lot thought he might have become our next captain. Um, but I reckon Shields is the type of player who you just know was highly uh, respected amongst the playing group. And being such a young side next year, especially our uh, midfield, Warpool's going to be our most experienced midfielder with 79 games. I know Shields played a lot for Box Hill last year. It looked like he was coming to the end. But I think he'll be a really good pickup for North Melbourne, especially because they're a young side uh, like us. I just look at our team on paper at the moment, and it's going to be an interesting discussion. Obviously, James Sicily is going to be the captain, but who's going to form our leadership group next year? You know, who's you know going to be below Sis? Um, that's going to be the type of player that's going to be able to mentor the younger players. Is it Chad Wingard, who unfortunately doesn't seem to be able to get on the field uh, consistently enough? Like, who are those senior players? Good question. Uh, Weezy, what do you think? Uh, yeah, look, I I disagree with you disagreeing about Jager. Um, I think uh, that a number of times, uh, there's no doubt we've lost a hell of a lot of experience. No denying that. The number of times last year and, and the year before for that matter, 
we did our match reviews talking about how we just needed someone to stand up and lead in the middle of the ground and no one did. And it was incumbent on Jager to be one of those guys and he, he didn't. So um, I think we're potentially thin um, in terms of the leadership side of things. I don't think keeping Shields at the club for another year is neither here nor there because he was struggling in the twos when he played. So, um, yeah, not such an issue. And, I mean, in my mind, Sammy and, and the guys would have um, considered the fact that there was going to be this clean out. And I'm, I'm sure between them, will have already identified who the next group of players are to lead the club forward. Certainly, um, uh, Richie Vandenberg on our uh, podcast earlier in the week seemed to be quite pleased with the way they flattened the leadership structure and think that uh, the plan all along was for the leadership, you know, for the players to establish themselves as leaders with that flat structure they had last year with just... Um, with just McAvoy's captain who hardly played. So uh, they must think they're doing okay in the leadership stakes. I think uh, I think Shields is holding back, uh, would be holding back a player. Even if you play 10 games, that's 10 games that someone else would need to get games into. They've gone down this path now of the rebuild, so they've got to embrace it fully. What it is, though, of course, um, Danny, is yet another Hawthorne decorated great at the club who will finish his career and now going forward have an affiliation with another club. Yeah, and, and it's, a, it's a rod we've created for our own back. And um, it was interesting listening to Richie in, uh, when we interviewed him earlier this week. Uh, we, we posed that to him, I think, Ash, you did. And, um, and his answer was pretty jarring. He said Clarko and Graham Wright have to wear the brunt of the um, blame for that. And, and, and he's right, like... Um, as much as we lauded Clarkson as a genius for long periods um, of his tenure at the Hawks, and he, he's one of the greatest coaches of the modern era. Um, one of the things that sort of rubbed a lot of fans the wrong way is seeing our greats finish their careers in different colours. And um, the shine that some of that um, takes off their careers from a Hawthorne supporter perspective doesn't make their uh, achievements... Uh, any any less special, um, but it just kind of takes a bit of the shine off. And and I think you know, touching on some of the fears that Hawthorne fans have as well, it leads to speculation with a Luke Hodge that potentially his kids may not play for the Hawks, or um, you know that sort of thing. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's not ideal. I, I don't I don't love it. I think um, we we started something which I think only now really I think. Um, that that generation of players is gone, other than Luke Bruce, who will finish his career at Hawthorne. Um, that sort of should stop now. I, I also um, just think that a player like Shields leaving and going to somewhere like North Melbourne, um, it adds value to who they who they are and what they're trying to what they're trying to achieve. And I, I see Clarkson's bringing the whole band back together, even leading teams and everything like that. So he's really going back to the future, um, but. I think the the biggest thing is that those guys like Shields, Gunston, Bruce carry more weight in their leadership because of their achievements over their career comparatively to O'Meara and Mitchell. And probably why we hold them in such a high regard would be the same reason as the, the players do because they've been at the pinnacle, they've done that, 
Um, they've achieved it back to back to back. And that really holds a lot of weight, I think, with their peers and the playing group, as well as with the fans. So uh, we, we'll miss that um, knowledge and know-how of, of how to go about winning premierships, which is, which is in that group, um, which only now Luke Bruce holds. Yeah, he uh, he's it. He's the only. He's going to this season as the only player as they from round one next year. He will be the only player on the list age thirty or older, which is uh, quite remarkable, really, and uh, that will reflect in leadership. A comment here from Scamasaurus. Mitch Lewis, vice captain. When he's up and about, he actually lifts teammates. Hardwick in the leadership group. Impey also, and a couple of Smokies, Dylan Moore and Will Day. Uh, interesting thoughts. Probably say yes to most of those. I'm not sure. Uh, I'd be keeping Will Day out of the leadership group for another couple of years, at least one more year. Brad, what do you think? I'd like to see Will Day just concentrate footy next year and play 20 plus games. Absolutely, Will needs to get consistent footy. Uh, yeah, he needs to play games. Last year, unfortunately, was a really poor year for Will. Uh, injury, poor form. I think he copped a week. He copped a suspension as well. Needs, I agree with Ash, at least two solid years in the seniors playing really good footy. He's definitely going to be a really good play for us. We need him to become a superstar, and he's got the potential to do that. Mitch Lewis is a good one. I think he, I've seen him, you know, he's been put up in the media. Uh, last week he spoke at our Dingley, spoke incredibly well. Looks like a popular player. Uh, Dylan Moore, definitely. Hardwick leads with his, uh, yeah, he plays really well. He plays... Uh, like a captain. I don't think he's the most vocal person. I think he's quite quiet, but in saying that, your captain doesn't necessarily have to be a great speaker. They can lead on the field. So it's going to be an interesting one to see the way that, you know, Sam goes next year with, you know, Cicely, who he picks in the leadership group. What do you think? Yeah, I think the only other thing that's interesting to add when we, when we spoke um, to... Um, to Louis about um, her role with players in development positions um, and she mentioned Dylan Moore and she mentioned Sam Frost and the stuff that we heard from about them at the Peter Crimmins medal and all of the stuff that they were doing from a leadership point of view off the field that we don't necessarily get to see or taste where they do know, and inside the four walls, obviously, they do know. And, and we've got a bit of a history of that in terms of our even our captains, like with the Vanders and the Strats that wouldn't necessarily be the first people the outside football world would assume should be picked as captain for their on-field exploits at the time. So I think tying it up, no one expects us to be winning 10, 12, 14 games over the next year or two. So that specific on-field leadership, I think, is somewhat less relevant. But they obviously feel getting rid of these players or clearing these players out that we've got enough leadership in the group, regardless of age, with the way a lot of these guys carry themselves at training off the football field, not just necessarily on the park. The other bit of news... Sort of uh, north was that Brett Ratton was announced today that he will be um, heading to North Melbourne in a part-time role as a midfield coach. He'll have a, a role a couple of days a week uh, working with Jordan Russell, who I think played under him at Carlton. Jordan Russell is now the midfield coach uh, 
at North Melbourne. Brett Ratton will have a role one or two days a week um, as the de- assistant midfield coach. I have a match day role as well. So as we talked about, Clark, Clark getting the band back together. I think uh, it was there a real option for him to go to Hawthorne, nor do I think, given his circumstances, he necessarily want to be uh, back into the full-time grind of being an assistant coach. So I think this is probably a very good outcome for him North with emerging midfield, working in a familiar environment with uh, with Arthur Clarkson. And uh, I'm sure everybody in footy, particularly Hawthorne people, very happy to see uh, a good guy like Brett Radden back in the fold and doing uh, active coaching, which I think is he's probably actually his strong suit. So we wish him well. Um, I think we will turn now to the draft. And there's a couple of things that we uh, will talk about with respect to the draft. The first one I want to talk about is um, a piece I wrote for Hawks Insiders, um, which appeared, uh, I think it was published this afternoon for subscribers, uh, about the unfortunate story that it's going to be an unfortunate case of uh, Ed Allen, who is the absolute... By every year, Brad, there's a bolter. There's a, someone who comes from the clouds into draft calculations. This year, it's absolutely Ed Allen. For those who aren't aware, he is the son of Ben Allen, uh, former Hawthorne... Best and first player in the Premiership here, Ben Allen. So he could seriously play. He played uh, 98 games for Hawthorne. Um, as I explain it in the story, he played six games in the fir- his first year at the club. It was 1990. played under Alan James. Uh, just coming off a premiership. Well, I came off two premierships, so going for the three-peat. So it was hardly a, a year for playing the kids at Hawthorne. Not that Alan James was a great one for playing the kids. So Alan didn't get a look in there. He came onto his own under Alan Joyce. The following year, best and fairest in a premiership team. Really solid, classy, hard-working midfielder for Hawthorne. The story then goes at the end of 1994, sort of midway through 94 season, Fremantle had been admitted to the AFL and pretty much from the get-go, uh, it was sort of the strong male out of West Australia was that Ben Allen, who had, who's, even though he was recruited from Claremont, had strong ties to the Fremantle area. He was being earmarked from day one as the coach, as also as the inaugural captain of Fremantle. Um, for whatever reason, uh, Hawthorne just took that as gospel and nobody at the club at the time ever actually sat down with Alan to uh, establish what he was thinking, to find out what he was thinking. Uh, They just took it as read that he was going to be out the door at the end of the year and never even had one conversation with him about uh, what his true intentions were or what he was thinking. In the 2011 book, The Golden Years, Alan, which I think I actually did this interview with him, Alan said that uh, that was the case. He loved Hawthorne. He was very happy living in Melbourne. He and his partner had a lot of friends there and uh, were quite content there, but never felt the love from Hawthorne. And so he decided the opportunity to go to Fremantle. Uh, he would take it in the end, not feeling a whole lot of love from Hawthorne. So there you go. For 98 games, um, a bit of love, a bit, you know, a bit more, uh, you know, Alan Jones seen something in him in 1990, but more to the point, had Hawthorne even had a conversation with him in 1994, he probably was. He might have stayed at the club, played the 100 games to, therefore, meaning that his kids would play for Hawthorne. 98 games, Ed Allen um, is now going to likely play for, he could well play either two teams, I think, either West Coast, uh, Daniel, I think either West Coast or Geelong. 
which is going to be pretty unfortunate. Uh, it's going to be just like Noah Anderson, who was discarded by Alan Joyce as coach. Oh, uh, Dean Anderson was discarded by Hawthorne, by Alan Joyce as coach. She was coach of Hawthorne at the end of 92. He played 82 or 84 games. Joyce thought he was a bit soft, I think. Uh, had Dean Anderson played one more year with Hawthorne, he'd get to 100 games. And Noah Anderson would now be the midfielder in the Hawthorne side, probably one of Hawthorne's three or four best players already going forward into what would be his fourth season. Danny, how do we feel about all of this? Uh, pretty flat. Um, you know, Noah Anderson is an interesting one. I mean, if we obviously we would have loved to have Noah Anderson, but uh, at the same time, if we did have Noah Anderson, we would not have Will Day and probably, probably another draft pick because of the points would have eaten up so much of, uh, of what we had in our draft hand that year. So um, I'd probably still uh, nine out of 10 times take Noah Anderson over Will Day, but, you know, Will's part of the furniture now and he's part of the foundation of what we'll build our next, next premiership team on. So, um, but yeah, it, it's, you know, hindsight's wonderful, isn't it? You can look back and, and, and just um, sort of pick apart supposed mistakes uh, a decade or longer after the fact, but um, nobody knew, um, you know, Ben Allen's son was going to be, um, you know, 195 centimetre utility who can run all day and is super quick. So, um, yeah, it's it's a shame that we're not going to have access to Ed. He would have been perfect and he would have fit in a, in a great – he's going to go in a great range after our pick um, seven and probably before – well, before pick 24. So – you know, we, we could have probably just um, shuffled up a couple of spots to, to get him when he was bid on if he was eligible for the Hawks. So uh, whoever ends up with him is going to end up with a really intriguing prospect. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a shame it can't continue that legacy with the Hawks. We seem to be able to pocket the ones um, that can't quite cut the mustard as father-sons, but we um, struggle with we struggle to hold on to the ones that, are, that seem to be the high-end talent, which is a shame. Uh, Jerome Lawrence, what's the mail on him? Who is a, uh, who is so, a son of Stephen Lawrence? Who is eligible to play for Hawthorne and Farmington? Yeah, he is, and um, and look, he's a tall like his dad. I think he, even though um, Stephen Lawrence was a ruckman, I think he was quite a small ruckman. Um, Jerome Lawrence is one ninety six centimeters. He's a late developer. Uh, he's already nineteen years old. He played this season as an overage uh, talent. Um, he started the season really, really well and played in the. Um, Colgate Young Guns game and, and um, kick some goals in the NAB League. Um, and he had a few injuries and um, went a little bit AWOL late in the season. So I think um, I think if uh, the Hawks take him, <clears throat> we'll be looking to take him as a rookie. I don't think he'll get bid on in the national draft. I think we would be more of a punt and then a, um, a, a sort of see how he develops, play at Box Hill, that sort of stuff. Of course, in talking about Hawthorne players who uh, just missed out father-son, it should also be noted, and a couple of people have pointed this out on Twitter as well, that Daniel Howell was let go by the Hawks. Uh, he played 96 games. Jay Gromira played 99, uh, Brad. So um, we'll miss out on any future Omeras. And, you know, you know what's going to happen. Twin boys. <laughs> Twin <laughs> Well, there's about boys or girls. Yeah, you get access to them either way. If they've got any girls, I play for the AFLW team. But, yeah, one but, and uh, one. Jago Miro, I mean, 99 games. I mean, really, consider how many games he missed. How many of those times was he late withdrawal as well, Brad? Or he, he didn't appoop on the injury list, you know, the, the famous yeah. boop injury list, and then suddenly 
who's not playing on on the weekend, Jago Amira. So <laughs> you'd you'd wonder whether one of how I she was talking to a sort uh, of player manager during the week, and uh, he said that uh, Hawthorne should have kept Daniel Howe for at least one more season. Do you agree? Uh, what do you think of that, Brad? Uh, Daniel Howe, no, I uh, disagree. He was given his chance. He was, he was one of those depth players, you know, one of the guys who was too good for the VFL, always performed really well in the VFL, earned his spot back in the seniors, but just he really couldn't cement his spot in the side. He had a few really nice games the back half of uh, 2021, um, but no, nah, definitely not part of our future, and I would much rather be getting games into our under-21s um, than Dan Howe. I thought he seemed like a good uh, clubman. He, you know, effort was always there, but he just wasn't good enough, in my opinion. Not, you know, not a strong enough senior player. No, wish him well. Hasn't, no, he hasn't been picked up yet. He'd be likely to be a, uh, maybe an SSP pickup for another team um, down the track. Now, of course, in terms of father-son, Playing in 2023, we'll be closely monitoring on Hawks Insiders uh, for Bob, Will McCabe, who we've spoken about a few times already, son of Luke, who could well be, uh, Danny, a, a first-round selection. He could be first-round worthy uh, selection next year, the South Australian young standout in Hawthorne, I think, with two second-round picks already next year's draft. Is that right? Yeah, we, we do. We've got a second-round pick, obviously, our own, and then we've got one that's tied to the Western Bulldogs. So um, those will be uh, in hot property, those picks, because next year's draft supposedly uh, quite quite deep comparatively to this year with uh, plenty of talent across all areas of the field. So um, they're good. it's good to have three picks in the top in the first two rounds next year. And um, I think unless a club comes at us with an offer that's uh, too good to refuse, I think we'll hold on to those future picks for sure. So uh, Will McCabe uh, looks exciting. 195 centimetre centre-half back who's played also on the wing. So obviously has good um, running capacity and and ability to cover the ground. Um, It'll be really interesting to see how he develops. And it's so hard 12 months out, unless the, the, you know, talent is generational like Harley Reid is, to project how they're going to develop. You know, this time last year, everybody was talking about Harry Lemmy as the, you know, the next big key forward um, that was going to come through. And he was a number one prospect. And, um, and, and he's probably going to get drafted in the back end of the draft, like Kel said last week. So, um, you know, hesitant to put any, any too great a raps on, on Will, but uh, the talk is at the moment that he's looking like a top 20 talent. So um, let's just keep an eye on him. We'll see if we can uh, pin him down for a chat sometime next season and uh, claim him as Hawks inside his own before we take him at the draft. Can I just say on Will McCabe, um, one thing very, very interesting, Ash, Luke McCabe, one of the one of the biggest whipping boys as a player, uh, he fits that category of you know great whipping boys at the club that that you've seen. Uh, I always thought he did his role really well in the back line, but be very interesting to see what people remember of him when Will comes onto the list and everyone's enamoured with the McCabe name. I remember getting flattened by David Neitz in the first game of 2002 at the MCG. I remember that's, I think, my most enduring memory of uh, of Luke McKay. But um, so, Danny, just talk us through how the bidding works. So if his stock rises next year, right, 
So at the moment, he's being projected, say, around pick 20, which is fine. Hawthorne can cover it easily with the, one of the two picks. What stage does Hawthorne have to, If he bolts up the charts next year, what stage does Hawthorne have to start getting creative with their with their their draft hand in order to make sure they don't have to use their very first pick on him? I mean, he would have to really, really climb. I mean, it depends on how, I guess. And Weesey and I had this debate in our WhatsApp group earlier today. It depends on where we think that the Hawks will finish next year. Um, I, I don't necessarily see Will as being a top five uh, draft pick. And I think we'll be in the top five picks in the draft. So I think he's going to yeah. land in a pretty safe space between our first round pick and our second round picks. But it could be that it, it eats up you know, a couple of our second round picks if, if it does. So we'd have to then, you know, navigate the space of trying to get in ahead of where he's projected to, um, to go. So potentially trading up those future seconds for a, a future first somewhere ahead of where we think he's going to, going to um, be bid on. So it's all, it's a, it's a real, um, it's a real fluid situation. It's a bit of ducks and drakes with that sort of thing. I think, you know, having as many draft picks as you can and having that flexibility at the draft table during um, or at the trade table during trade period and then also at the draft, um, you know, allows you to do a lot more um, depending on the situation. So um, clubs want to be armed with as many options as they can. Um, and if, you know, if the draft crop is as good as it is uh, supposed to be next year, then getting two or three top 20 um, draft picks next year is probably going to be a lot better than, trading into the first round this year with those second round picks as we see keeps telling me we should do. So Hawthorne has, just say Hawthorne's a top five pick next year, which I think is a reasonably safe assumption. Then if, if, uh, if McCabe, say, at, at pick 15 to 20, then Hawthorne should use one of its second round picks to get him and still have the, second, the other second round pick up the sleeve. Is that yeah, what should happen? Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and look, it's all dependent on the points on the point allocations to where he's bid and yeah. what pick we have and the 25% yeah. discount. But yeah, that's about, that'd be about right. So really, if, as long as you're not a top 10 player, Hawthorne should be okay. If he, if he has a really good year and moves into the top 10, then Hawthorne might have some work to do. Yeah, they might have some work to do, but then, you know, where's the downside in that as well, you know, because um, they've got a, a, a top 10 talent, uh, another yeah. top 10 talent coming onto their list. So there's, there's no real way to lose in this situation. Like the Brisbane Lions have, Done. They, you know, they've gone and got creative, traded all their picks out, brought in players and brought in late picks back. And they're going to get two top 15 talents in Will Ashcroft and Jasper Fletcher this year. If we can do the same thing next year through, you know, having a top end pick and then getting Will McCabe, um, you know, if he has a, a stellar year, then um, I think that helps set, out, set up our rebuild beautifully. Excellent. All right, good to hear. Now, let's get into the, uh, I know we have sort of Cal's draft preview once and for all last week. This week it's our draft preview um, and the homework I set everyone who was on. And I, this is where I really would love to see some other people. Please uh, come on with your, uh, and give us your thoughts as well because uh, some of you will know a hell of a lot more about, uh, about all this than, uh, than we do. Or maybe not Danny. Danny's a guru. But uh, me, Brad, and uh, we see all matters when it comes to the draft. But um, so if you've got any thoughts, uh, let us know. So we're going to go around quickly and we're going to do selection dissection style who Hawthorne should take and who they will take with that first pick. And obviously the wild card in all this is Essendon with its pick, which I think is two ahead of Hawthorne. What Essendon do will ultimately, I think, determine what Hawthorne do. If you believe the male Gold Coast with the picks before Hawthorne is, is very keen on uh, either Gibney or Bailey Humphrey 
Um, so they will get one of those players to the club. So Hawthorne will wait until Essendon does and we'll then have a fairly clear picture of what he wants to do. So starting with you, Brad, uh, given that you are the guru of selection dissection and should do, will do, what will Hawthorne be doing on Monday night? It's a really tough one, Ash, because I think we're getting one of uh, Philippou, Sartis, Jai Clark and Cam uh, McKenzie. McKenzie was all the rage probably, you know, four to six uh, weeks ago. But uh, Elijah Tsardis, who was initially touted as a top three pick, really looks like he's slidden down and we're a really good chance to get him. The Bombers are going to take either him or uh, Philippou. So, um, as you said, I was told weeks and weeks ago, and I'm pretty sure I mentioned it on the podcast, that Gold Coast were very keen and were going to take Bailey uh, Humphrey, which I still think is uh, the case, um, which is going to leave, as I said, um, yeah, Philippou, Tsardis, Clark or McKenzie. I think Jai Clark, um, I don't think we'll take Jai Clark. I think I've mentioned to Prinzi I might be uh, wrong. I think he's going to be a really good 200-plus game player, but I think he's too similar to um, a ward type, um, even Jai as well, like small. You know, he's not a big uh, midfielder. I think Philippou's the one who we should take. I think he's got the uh, X factor. He's a little bit bigger. Uh, he can kick a goal, which we really need. That's something we've lacked over the last couple of years is a goal-kicking uh, midfielder. So I would take Philippou, who I think the club will take. If Sardis is there, they, I take him because he's probably the best available player. But I think Philippou's got a higher ceiling, so I would take Philippou with our pick. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Echo Brad's sentiments. I mean, this isn't necessarily my area of expertise as it is a Prinzi, but um, you do all of the reading and it seems, as Brad said, it's going to come down to one of those two. And I think it's less about who would you rather and more about who's going to be there based on who Essendon do or don't take. Um, unless there's some level of surprise and there's been a little bit of foxing and we've actually got someone else out of those two that we're thinking of taking. I, I think it's purely going to be um, Tzardis first priority, Philippou second priority, but happy with either depending on who the Bombers pick. Well, uh, I, I think it'll be, um, I think it'll be Philippou. I think the Bombers won't uh, pass Sardis. I think yeah, he was he was you know it was him him and Wardlaw were neck and neck for a lot of the year as, as likely one and two pick along with I guess along with Ashcroft as well. But um, I think if he's there, the Bombers won't be able to hold back taking him. Philippou, Ash, um, yes. Do do you think that the the reports of flying Philippou over? to have the fourth chat roughly with him um, was with the notion that we had more discussing to do in the case that we take him? Or do you think it was a little bit of foxing to make Essendon think that uh, that everyone else is, including us, are interested in him and trying to get them to, to read his name out at four to let Sada slip? Who knows? Who knows what's going on? Uh... I, I, it's all ducks and ducks. What I'm interested in, what I wanted to throw up to the group for discussion was we've had at least two players, you know, both 
Sardis and Philippu coming out and saying how much they'd love to play for Essendon. Um, you know, the big games and the big opportunities, which uh, led to a lot of people on social media saying, what, do they want to play for a team that doesn't know how to win, uh, doesn't know how to play or win a final? Um, but I'm wondering whether Essendon has presented... No one's actually come and said, oh, gee, I'd love to play for Hawthorne. I'm wondering whether four interviews is a bit too intense for a bunch of 18-year-olds. Uh, what say you, Danny? Yeah, I, I'm not sure about that. I think the, a lot of these questions are framed with the fact that, and this and context is a really important thing. We see these quotes and we think, oh, this guy wants to go to the Bombers or this guy wants to go to the Bombers. But I think um, if you listen to the way that the interviews are had and the, the way the questions are framed, it's often with the context of, we kind of know that it's going to be Cadman, um, Ashcroft, uh, Sheasel, Wardlaw, and then the Bombers pick is the first live pick in inverted commas. So um, the question's framed as, you know, Essendon's got the first pick in the draft. They look like taking you. Would you like to go to the Bombers? And every, um, you know, unless you're, it's Gold Coast and you're Archie Perkins, every single person is going to turn around and say, yeah, I'd love to go to the Bombers. They're a big club. They're based in Melbourne. I, you know, get to play, uh, you know, in front of big, big uh, grounds full of people. You know, um, it's a it's a no brainer in terms of how you how you would answer that question. So I think I think it, it's sort of slightly deceptive in the way that it's presented, and it makes it sound like oh, we, everybody just wants to go to the bombers. I don't think that's the case. I think it's just the way the question's answered. So, um, but answering your question a bit more directly, it, there's a balance, isn't there, between interviewing enough to get a real read on the character of the player that you're trying to bring in. And, and Sam Mitchell's been really, really big on bringing in great character people. And we saw that last year, you know, with Josh Ward, who was a, who captained his club and um, Connor McDonald, who did the same thing. And Jai Sarong, who was a great, um, you know, person and, uh, and Sam Butler, who's a real larrikin and great for the locker room. Um, there's a there's a there's a fine line between doing too much or or not enough in it to get you doing your due, due diligence and maybe for some um, it would put them off at 18 years old but for others they would be going okay well this club's you know really serious about wanting to know me as a person not just me as a player so uh, it probably depends on the individual. Of course, someone on talk, Twitter. Talk the co- Sorry, gosh. Uh, uh, someone no, on Twitter put say- it really nicely to say. If they both want Essendon, uh, whoever doesn't get selected and comes to Hawthorne will automatically hate Essendon and be our perfect draft pick. I thought that was a nice little twist on it. Well, I think Campbell Brown hated Essendon partly for a reason because he was mates with Kevin Sheedy and uh, the Bombers never drafted him. So I think a part of part of the reason he ended up hating Essendon. Of course, if you are a neutral and the choice is playing for Essendon, or if if how many young eighty-year-olds are going to say? Yeah, I'd love to play for Hawthorne with all those one ten Sunday games, you know, going down to Tassie four times a year and playing prison of nuts off and playing in front of 3,000 people at, at York Park. So there is that as well, I guess, that uh, from a neutral point of view, Essendon is, uh, might be the uh, slightly more appealing uh, thing, Brad. Agree with you, Ash, but I do get uh, Prinzi's uh, point as well. These are young kids. We've got to remember they're just uh, teenagers and you get asked a question like that, as Princey said, um, you know, unless you're an Archie Perkins type, um, you know, who is a very, who was a very um, arrogant, might not be the right word, but happier with himself, uh, 17, 18 year old. 
I think those uh, responses were are pretty standard. But whoever we get, I think he's going to be more than happy to be part of our club. You know, the best thing about the club at the moment is is we're basically starting from scratch. We're a young group. We've seen on social media, especially in the off-season, how close our younger players are. And they seem like they're sort of building their own our culture at the moment, you know. So, um, yeah, I'm not worried about it at all. So another question about Filippo is he's obviously not lacking in um, not lacking in confidence, uh, I would say. So, but I'm wondering whether, with the four interviews, whether Sam Mitchell has looked at him. The last player to come to Hawthorne, uh, I think, with a similar streak of self confidence, might have been a young uh, young lad from Perth called Lance Franklin. I'm wondering whether Mitchell looks at someone like Filippo and says he reminds me. Of a, of a Franklin who, you know, we look what we did with him pretty quickly. But the converse, as we talked about earlier, is there the leadership in the playing group to work, to, sort of to, to curb the excesses of a young player such as uh, Philippou, who's bringing it confidence? I mean, at least when, uh, when Franklin came to Hawthorne, he had the likes of Vandenberg and the likes of Johnny Barker and uh, one or two others who were able to sort of keep him in check pretty much from the start. Um, is there someone there, uh, we see in the Hawthorne list, you know, who can sort of be that mentoring figure and just sort of, if a, if a, if a Philpo was to come in like that, um, you know, I'm not arrogant the right word, but certainly uh, full of self-confidence. It's a very, very valid point. And absolutely, this could be where um, that, that whole, I guess, in terms of senior heads from a playing group might come into it. But I mean... Who knows, if that was to become an issue, why couldn't that be filled by an assistant coach or someone else at the club? So, again, without knowing um, specifically uh, everyone individually, there are still enough older guys in um, in Chad, in um, Brewsty, in Sam Frost to make you think that um, if that was the case, they'd be able to work it out pretty quickly. Yes. All right. So we don't have a drum roll. But we're a live. Uh, we're a live uh, Twitter spaces here. But uh, just do a, a drum roll to yourselves, and then as we get our guru, our oracle, Danny Prince, to come up with a definitive take as to Hawthorne should take and who they will take with the first pick on Wednesday on Monday night. Brindy, the floor is yours. Yeah. Look, I, it's it's funny, Ash, that you uh, you talked about. Uh, your thoughts thinking that the Bombers will take Sardis because I think we should absolutely take Elijah Sardis if he's available at seven. I, I think uh, a player like that um, who is as highly rated as he has been has probably only slipped down the draft um, late uh, draft rankings late in the year because of injury and inability to get out on the park. Everything he's done in the last two years scream top three, top four talent in this draft pool. And, uh, and he is he meets a lot of our needs. And I know a lot of people say, I think um, Sardis probably the better player right now. Philippou has the higher ceiling. I think, I think the ceiling Sardis has is almost as high as what Philippou has. But I think the, the ability to be able to reach that ceiling, you know, ticking all of those boxes to put it together to, um, to get to that absolute pinnacle of what you can get out of yourself, I think Sardis will reach that a lot 
quicker and easier and has more potential to to touch his ceiling than Philippou does. I think Philippou needs everything to go right in order to to be that absolute jet. Whereas I think um, regardless of how much with with Sardis, he's going to be a gun. The man knows how to find uh, the footy regardless of where the footy is on the field. And he absolutely um, can break away from packs, um, kick goals, set them up. Um, and yeah, just needs to probably get a little bit more composure as he's about to kick when he's running full tilt. But my goodness, he would add something, a really nice point of difference to our midfield mix. Can play inside, likes to play outside, um, you know, and, and gives us a, a really different uh, dimension to our midfield. So that's who I absolutely think we should take. Who do I think we will take? Um, he's available. I think we'll take Elijah Sardis. Um, I have a feeling, Ash, that potentially um, the Ducks and Drakes that are going on at the moment, us flying Philippou over, the Bombers all pro- probably feeding in the media that they're going to take Philippou. I still think they'll probably take Elijah Sardis and we'll take Will, uh, uh, Matthias Philippou. So, um, yeah, who, who should we take? Uh, Elijah Sardis, who will we take? I think we'll take uh, Matthias Philippou because I don't think Sardis will be on the board. All right, Ben. Uh, thank you for that, Danny. Um, so we'll wait and see, and we look forward to it. Uh, I won't ask you to speculate on who they'll take the second round. That's all a bit too hard, but uh, we'll certainly be getting your thoughts on the spaces Monday night, Tuesday night, and then also on uh, when we recap it all on Thursday night. Uh, Smorganism, the great man, has been out at training. The Hawks were back at training, the first of four-year players, plus... A healthy sprinkling of uh, players who didn't have to come back but have. Uh, it's very early days. The report's a little bit sketchy, but you've been out of training. Great to have you with us once again. What have you? What are the very early observations so far as the Hawks get back into their preparations for next season? Yeah, thanks, Ash. Look, uh, early observations. It's bloody cold out there. Oh, I forgot just how cold it gets out at Waverley and wore some shorts when I saw some sun in the morning, so that was a major error. Um the boys did not uh, feel the uh, the temperatures at all. There's quite a few of the young boys that have obviously spent a little bit of time in the gym and were quite keen to get the singlets on. Um, so they were running about. And uh, you could certainly see that um, even some of the, the younger ones like Connor McDonald um, and Wardy um, as well have put on a few kilos, I would suggest, maybe across the the arms or the chest, but I think that's pretty standard at this point of a preseason um, where they're doing a lot of weights and then they'll probably trail off a little bit and um, get back into um, probably more aerobic and um, they'll do a lot of interval running and, and fitness as the as the summer goes on. But um, lots, of, lots of banter, lots of enjoyment. Um, I'm quite certain that the new Box Hill coach was in amongst that and seems like he's going to be a very good match for Sam Mitchell when it comes to being a, a pest within drills um, and was quite jovial and playing around with the guys. Um, so there's it's quite an upbeat session and lots of new drills. They didn't really touch the balls for the, the first probably hour or so that they were out there. Um, and then they did get into some ball work, but it was very scratchy early. So um, there's not a lot to be taken from, I guess, the early sessions. Um, 
but certainly lots of hands on deck. Uh, I think there was probably six or seven players that weren't accounted for. Um, but who knows whether they were doing media or whether they were upstairs. Um, but the majority of players were out there. So, you know, it's just, um, I think like others have said, it's it's good to finally see uh, some of these players that we had sit in the stands for large periods last year um, out there leading the running like CJ and Will Day. And unfortunately, Denver is still at the back of all the running groups, but we'll see how he goes over the summer. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was just good to be out there, really. A couple of different body shapes that I noticed with the photos. Um, and everyone who is observing it said that uh, James Warpool seems to have trimmed down, perhaps not as big in the upper body as he used to be. Um, and the other one to me looked looked like he trimmed down a bit was uh, Chad Wingar. Did you notice anything about those two players? Certainly, um, Warpool is skinny. Um, he does look skinny. I I don't know whether it's just um, a perception or whether it's just because you've you've heard it, you've read it, um, and now you see it. But, yeah, he certainly looks um, thinner across the shoulders and the arms even. So you definitely noticed, definitely noticed that. Um, Connor McDonald seems to be filled out quite well on his, on his shoulders. But, again, he was one of the boys that had decided that it was time to get the singlets on. So, um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting to see just how some of these younger blokes uh, take on this preseason without so many senior heads around them because they were um, only probably Chad. I think Frosty was out on there, but he was doing a little bit of running and rehab. So this, they do interchange a lot too. So um, there was at, 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 the, at the start of the training drills, uh, there was a, a small group of about four or five that were over on the far side doing lots of running. Um, they were doing 200 meters and sprints, and then they would stop and do stretches. And but uh, before you could get too worried about whether they had some injuries, they were sort of swapping into drills, and then someone else would be over into the rehab group. So um, I think it's just all about managing workloads this early on, um, and we'll just see hopefully a clean bill of health right through to Christmas, and yeah, see how it goes. I guess. Did Lloyd make train? Certainly did. Um, he's a big boy. He's got thighs as big as uh, well. I don't know how big they are. They're they're monstrous. But um, he's him and uh, Ned were out there and were getting along quite well in some of the drills. Um, so that was good to see that they've already sort of built up a bit of a a bit of a friendship or a mateship. So um, and the other one, the other new face, I guess, is uh, Cooper Stevens, who was in amongst uh, some of the drills and seems like he fits in quite perfectly with everyone. So that was good. And uh, I guess the other, the other person that the other player that everyone always asks about is um, Nuke and uh, he doesn't look like um, he's thinned off at all. So he's probably gotten a little bit bigger. Um, I'd imagine. Right. Well, that's good to know. A couple of people, Tom reached out and wanted to know that uh, whether Kate Simpson was vocal as a coach and uh, was sort of making his presence felt at the coaching group, or was he more a bit of a wallflower, just hanging up at the back, getting sort of getting make himself comfortable with the group? Yeah, I think I think the latter. He was uh, watching on quite a bit and standing around talking to some of the other assistants. Um, and then when the drills, when the ball movement drills started, he sort of got more involved, and he did actually, uh, much like Sam, decided that it was time to try and get himself a kick. Um, but 
yeah, otherwise I think he was just sort of like feeling it out for the first first couple of sessions just to see how it goes. So, um, yeah, very interested to see how he handles that role and how the guys take to him. He was known at Carlton for when the old school beanies at uh, Carlton's training. He'd always come up with this sort of retro beanie look. So I'm wondering, it was beanie weather out at Wavy last week, whether Kate Simpson sort of found the old Wondervale Hawks beanie or something like that with the old VFL logo just to make himself feel at home. Yeah, no, he didn't. He didn't, but he does have a beard now. So that was, um, that was, yeah, that was a good move. Um, I was just trying to think some of the other players that that might be uh, interesting to watch over the over the summer, and uh, it's probably uh, CJ and um, Will Day because uh, we both we think that they're probably going to have back flank spots sewn up, but it'll be very interesting to see where they do actually do some midfield drills along the way. The I guess they got two. I reckon Go is Finn McGuinness who um, finished the year so well last year. And again, in the photos that we saw, um, looks like an absolute unit. How did he look out there? Yeah, he was he was uh, early on in the rehab group, just um, sort of doing some, some running drills over the other side with Bramble. Um and Seamus Mitchell, uh, and then they would they got they ramped up and were doing quite quick two hundred meter, um, and they were going from uh, goal post to goal post, and then stopping and having breaks. But uh, Finn didn't really stop running for the whole session. Um, I didn't stay for the entire session, but I know that um, probably when they they started getting into the ball work and they started moving moving um, drills around. He was just uh, doing laps at a fair clip. So um, he looks as fit as ever, um, obviously just being managed on what he's doing at the moment. All right, terrific. Uh, Smorgan, isn't it? Thank you so much for the report. You're welcome on any time you've been to training, jump on and uh, give us uh, an upgrade, an, uh, sort of update on what we're seeing. and try and duck out there myself if I can before the end of the year. But uh, it's great to know that you're there watching. Uh, it's very early, not just not to... Uh, we're not going to worry this stage too much about who's in the rehab group and who's not, except it's good to know that Chad Wingard uh, may not be in the, in the uh, rehab group. They need him fit and firing. Um, last thing I want to talk about, we decided we will keep this pretty much an AGM-free uh, zone, but I do commend the Richard Vandenberg podcast interview uh, that he did that you can access on the Hawks Insiders through our podcast feed. A great chat, and a uh, few people thought he sounded very presidential, um, but passionate about where the state affairs of the club passionate about this uh, election, but also really some really key points about the direction of the club from the football side of things going forward. So I can't commend, I commend all the podcasts to you if you haven't listened and you haven't voted yet. But the Richie Vandenberg one was uh, great in particular. Last thing I want to talk about a slightly lighter note: the Hawks have gone down a different path this year with the uh, merchandise that they're wearing. We've had we've had a lengthy discussion about. ISC already, and I know Darren Levine, who's not with us tonight, Darren is still cleaning out the Everton rooms after their game last night in Sydney. He's just uh, making sure everything's all pristine like and leaving it in good shape like the Japanese team left their room after the, they beat Germany in the World Cup. Um, Sketches is involved somehow. I'm not quite sure quite where Sketches fits into the mix, given that they're a footwear company, but don't, but don't do uh, fo- uh, footy boots, but uh, that'll work out. But today we had the announcement that New Era is on board as the official headwear 
partner of the Hawthorne Football Club. I did know there was such a thing. I'm well aware and well across new era gear. I might have a, a sneaky New York Yankees and New York Giants cap somewhere from new era. But I want to know from people younger and far more switched on to fashion than me and open up the floor to anybody. Uh, is this a good partnership for Hawthorne? Are they the first with New Era? I have so many questions, no answers. Daddy, starting with you, give me some analysis on all this. Look, I'm not, uh, I'm not too sure on what the relation because we've had New Era hats and headwear for for a while, so it sounds like it's just a formalisation of a partnership that's kind of already there. So I don't know if it means you know that we'll get extra things or um, there's there's something else. Uh, you know, more than, than, than the normal. But um, I think a lot of clubs have sort of relationships with uh, with New Era. New Era do a lot of the AFL merch. Um, so, um, yeah, it's it's a, it's an interesting one. I mean, the, the stuff that they released today in the video wasn't, and I'll let Weesey uh, speak to it uh, in detail, but it wasn't really uh, captivating. Um, I really, I really like the look of the new beanie and I suggest small gets one before he heads back down to training next week or, uh, whatever, but the, the new beanie looks really nice. And I think the color scheme for that is probably the color scheme we should have had for our off field gear this year through ISC, but that's another, there's one thing missing from the color scheme, Danny Brown and gold, (laughs) brown and gold. There's none there. I mean, you, you can have too much uh, brown and gold, Ash. As much as we love the colours, I think it, uh, it 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 can get a little bit little bit much. But you know, um, yeah, I wasn't. I'm not a huge fan of, of what I've seen so far. But hopefully, they have you know some nice some nicer caps and sort of uh, you know similar to the ones that you you rock, Ash, with the the Giants and and that sort of stuff. I think the N- NBA and the NFL and uh, MLB do it really really well, and I think AFL's a little bit behind in in that. So. Um, yeah, I'd definitely rock a, a, a blacked-out Hawks, Hawks cap for sure. Brad, you're a veteran of focus groups. Do you think uh, Hawks have uh, conducted a few uh, focus groups with fans over the, over, the, over the last couple of years and have come away with the, uh, the uh, conclusion that less brown and gold on the, in the actual merchandise, the better? Absolutely not. I've got no idea what they're thinking. I'm with uh, Prinzi. The, these uh, deals are all great uh, financially. Hawthorne is a brown and gold. The stuff they put out today was just poor. Like, I don't know what their obsession with blue at the moment is. There was a lot of white. Like, the club's colours are brown and gold. Our fans want to wear brown and gold. They don't want to wear blue. So, uh, focus groups, absolutely not. Because if you asked the members and our supporters, what are Hawthorne's colours, how many of them are going to say blue? or black, or white with a tinge of yellow and brown, you know, or, you know, it's just, I don't, I don't get it. The new era stuff is, I guess, tailored for the younger demographic. It's huge in America, as you said, you know, it's massive in the NFL and the NBA. Um, I think any deal at the moment, sponsorship-wise, is really good for the club. It's a positive. But if you're going to sign these deals and get these brands like Sketches and uh, New Era release merchandise with the club's uh, colours. Like, I don't... Like, if you surveyed everyone who was tuning in uh, tonight, would you wear something brown and gold? Or would you wear something with blue and white? I would say 75% will say brown and gold. Well, uh, you are probably right. Now, we have got a special guest. So we're going to go over a few minutes over time. Uh, if he accepts the request to speak, I just sent him.
uh, the great Ollie Hanrahan might be uh, joining us back from a holiday in Mexico. Ollie, if you uh, click on the request to speak, I've just sent you. We'll try and get you on for a couple of minutes. If not, we'll, uh, we'll, we've got you. I'm here. The great man, Ollie Hanrahan. G'day. How are you going? Hello. I'm here. Hawkins Can you hear me? Welcome. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm very good. Sorry, just had uh, just had cricket training, so I'm running a bit late. But um, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's good to have you all with us. We won't keep it for too long. This is a real treat for us to talk to you. It is. Um, let's talk about the. We talk about the colours first. Yep. Are the colours good. The brown and gold colours good. I think that's why I went to um, Kingston Hawthorne Cricket Club. I just love the colours too much. I think <laughs> they're too good. I can't get enough of them. Right. How is your cricket career going? You wouldn't have played much because of the uh, Melbourne's weather being absolute worse. Uh, how's your How's your season gone so far? Um, I literally I've played one practice game, and that is it because it's been we had four weeks in a row, which is what we, which were washed off. Um, and then I went away to America and Mexico for another month, so I actually haven't played an official game yet, um, which has been really really weird. So I'm playing my my first official game this Saturday against uh, Essendon at Windy Hill, which would be exciting. Essendon, is the Essendon Hawthorne, is the Essendon Hawks rivalry as strong cricketers as in football? Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it's anywhere as near as a fiercer rivalry than uh, than the footy one. But um, yeah, maybe a few bounces on Saturday might, I might start a new rivalry. What do you think? I think you should. <laughs> Sell scout, tell us, give a scouting report for yourself as a cricketer. Uh, I am, I am a, oh, probably a, a bowling all-rounder, I'd have to say. Right. And, um, what sort of bowl, what do you, slow bowl or pace? Uh, I bowl, I bowl pace, I bowl pace and then I probably bat, probably bat around, uh, five or six in the, in the batting order. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely more of a bowler, that's for sure. Now, so I want to ask you, you, you played cricket. You played cricket and footy all the way through. I remember I interviewed you, I think, when you first got drafted by Hawthorne. But you yeah. you focused on cricket for a long time. Almost the old, you know, you played football or something you did between cricket seasons. Do you feel like you're now back playing your first love again? Yeah, I definitely do. I think I think only because, oh, probably because I've missed so much cricket with footy not allowed to play. I've probably, um, getting back into it, I've really, really loved it and enjoyed um, doing another sport um, because you know footy's so intense and they don't really you know they don't really let you do anything else apart from footy training and at, at Hawthorne I had a few back injuries too so I wasn't really allowed to play for a bit of fun even um, so yeah getting back into it now very very fun um, and then I've got a, a lot of good mates at the crew club I play at too so um, yeah it's oh, like I've always I've always juggled it but um but yeah, it's definitely you know I'm not playing footy this year, so it's kind of nice to just focus on cricket and um, have a bit of yeah, just try something new really because um, I haven't played it for about yeah five six years. Do you miss all these? The... Special... Go on, Wesley. No, go on, Ash. I was going to ask you, do you miss life as a professional footballer? Uh you know there there are parts of it which I do. Yeah, like um. I don't know. I think I think when you watch a game, you know, you see you see Hawthorne play at the MCG. Um, you know, especially like Easter Monday against the Cats. Um, I remember watching that game earlier in the year, and I'm like, oh, I'd love to be out there playing. 
Um, so like there's all that part of it, but um, definitely the meetings and the early wake up trainings and the uh, St Kilda Pier sessions. I'm not I'm not missing too much. <laughs> Ollie, is the plan to uh, play as much cricket as you can at the top level before coming back to the mighty Brighton Union and uh, getting <laughs> back at your local club? <laughs> um, oh. Yeah, maybe I might return to Brighton Union. I'll see how we go. It, de- it depends who's down there at the time. It depends. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll keep an eye out on the teams and see who's playing each week. Mind, I just want to give it a, a good crack and, and see how I go, yeah. Um, Ollie, what about uh, with the Hawthorne boys? Who are you? Who are your good mates with there? And who? who are you, do you still see many? Do you still hang out with any of the Hawthorne boys? Or you still moves on a bit? Um, I've moved. I've moved on a fair bit. I think just because of the different schedules, um, you know, you kind of you just naturally end up hanging around the people that you see a lot every day. Um, but I still I still see Tom Phillips a lot. Um, and he's talking to me a lot at the moment. You know, he's going through a similar thing as to what I was going through last year. Um, so I've been talking to him a fair bit. Um, you know, Tom Mitchell, Jack Scrimshaw, um, Jack Gunston, Luke Bruce, you know, all those type of guys I still speak to here and there. Um, but, yeah, and I'm, I'm seeing a lot of my schoolmates at the minute, which is, um, which is really good because I haven't really had the time to see them um, over the last five years. Yeah. So the the question was, at what stage, uh, what was the process like last year when you weren't sure whether you're going to be drafted, and uh, and when did what stage did you realise was probably going to be all over for you at AFL level? Um, I reckon oh, what what stage did I realised. I, I thought um, I thought my my initial exit interview um. With Sam Mitchell and uh, Craig McRae and and the other coaches, they said I had to wait for the trade period um, to find out what they were going to do with me. Um, so I probably I probably thought then that it wasn't looking too good, just because I think if you have faith in a player and you fully trust them and you and you rate them, you'd probably sign them up straight away and lock them in. Um, so I knew that I knew there was a bit of doubt around that. And um, I guess literally just every week after that that went on and, um, and, and the lack of – probably the lack of contact I had from, uh, from the Hawthorne coaching group and staff probably made me realise like, oh, okay, I don't think um, things are looking too good here. Um, and I was getting a little bit of interest from other clubs, um, but nothing, nothing too serious. So I was kind of – I was probably more more reliant on another club taking me rather than Hawthorne signing me up again. Um, so that was my thinking, and um, yeah, I was waiting to hear a few things from GWS and Carlton and all that, all those clubs. But um, but yeah, Hawthorne, I, I kind of I felt like probably um, Clarko Clarko was on my side a little bit, and I didn't know what Sam thought of me, so. Um, so yeah, I, I thought when the when there was a bit of when there was a change of guard, I, I you know I was I was kind of doubtful as to as to where I'd be for twenty twenty two, yeah. Ollie, it's uh, it's great to chat to you, mate. Um, the the process of of sort of coming away from an AFL list and you know back into sort of normal population. 
how how is that for somebody you know who's put in you know years and and hours and hours and hours of you know training and getting your body right and your mind right and all of that sort of stuff then to just step away is that a hard process for a for a footballer to go through yeah yeah absolutely um it, it's it's funny because you're on such a high all the time and in the AFL world and it's such an intense environment and then you um and then you leave it and then suddenly you um you know you're not in that full-time professional environment and routine and it, it's a little it's a little bit like it's a bit of a shock to the system and you feel um you know like your energy levels are, are wavering a little bit um but I think after for me for me at least for you know after after a month or two I kind of actually got used to life outside of footy and realised that there is more to footy um, and that I wasn't really, I think, yeah, for me, I was, I was pretty happy, you know, just getting the opportunity at Hawthorne. So I wasn't, um, you know, I, I knew I had other things in my life going on too. So I wasn't really um, fully, like, fully gutted like I know some other people can be. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a massive, it's definitely a massive shift when, you know, you're in that environment and then you leave because, you know, you're, everything you do you, with all your thinking and your mind, you, you're trained to perform on game day. It's all about performance and high performance. And then suddenly, you know, you're, everything you do after that um, is like, oh, what, well, what, why am I doing this now? Um, so it, it is quite weird to get used to early on, but um, I feel like right now I've, I've got it figured out a little bit. Uh, you talked about Craig McRae being at your exit interview. He did a fantastic job in his first year as coach at Collingwood. Did you see that coming when he was your line coach at Hawthorne? Yeah, I did. Yeah, he's a um, he, he's a great guy. Um, he's he's a really good uh, he's a really good connector with people. Um, I think he knows how to get the best out of people too. Um, so yeah, I mean, he gave me he gave me a lot of yeah good opportunity last last year too. He was. Um, played the most games I've ever played in my year with him. So he was, um, you know, I think he actually, yeah, he taught me a lot of things and um, I think he just, you know, he wants, he's all about the team and just wants everyone to get better as people. Um, and, you know, the footy, the footy will come, but I think he's more about the individual than the, than the player, which is great. And what are your footy plans for next year? I mean, the cricket's your focus. You did play for, I think, for Werribee last year. You're going to start off and play footy uh, next winter. Uh, I'm not too sure yet what I'm going to do with footy. I've um, uh, like, I'm, I'm planning to go to the UK for a little bit next year, but I've also got a couple of job interviews coming up. So you know, maybe those cricket plans might get um, might get cancelled, but. Yeah, like I guess I'm just looking to see, you know. I guess initially I'm not really looking to play footy, but if a if a club comes around or a good offer comes by, I'll, I'll probably I'll probably look at it. Yeah. How would you sum up your AFL career, Ollie? Oh, good question. Um, how would I sum it up? I, I think. Um, oh. That's a good. That is a very good question. I'll sum it up. I, f- I feel like maybe um, that there was a bit I left out there. I think I think there was some untapped uh, potential for sure. Um, you know, like I did some good things and um, in patches, but 
probably would have liked um, to be more consistent and to have shown my talent more regularly, I think. Yeah. People tried just a couple more. This has been wonderful having you on. People say that the Hawthorne list has been cut too deep. Now, I know you've been away from the place for 12 months, but do you think the place yeah. will suffer without the likes of O'Meara and Mitchell and Gunston and Shields and McAvoy hanging around the club next year? Or do you think, from what you know of the players who are there, that there's actually some untapped leadership there? Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of... I actually think there's a lot of really good young leadership there. Um there's some very yeah, there's some very um, like naturally naturally born leaders there who are young, but at at the same time, I think so like it's so important that you do have older guys there who um, you know kind of set the standard and have that experience under their belt and that respect. You know, I think even just the presence of a Jager Tom and um, and Jack Gunston, like just their aura and presence around the place, like. It, it it makes the standard of training go up, and I think you know having them gone, and big boy too, um, it's it, it's a pretty big hole. And even if they're not performing to the peak of their powers on game day, just having them around at training, you know, like the how hard Tom like Tom Mitchell's the hardest trainer I've ever seen in my life, um, and Jake is very good too. I mean Jack and big boy they all are, and just their um, their presence. Um, it's. I think it's. It's going to be a. Yeah. It's. A, it's a big loss. But um. You know. I think with like James Sisley, I think is a really good leader. Um, and then you've got like people like I think Mitch, Mitch Lewis as well, and um. You know. I feel like I feel like CJ even is like really developing into a bit of a leader. Um. You know. I think there's some really good young talent there, but it's just going to take a lot of time. I think. And last question I want to ask you before the other guys might want to finish off. What were those last few weeks like in 2021 when they had the handover was all over the place and there was Clarkson was going to go, Mitchell was going to take over in a year and it didn't quite work out and the, the, the leadership had to get involved and talk to the club and say sort it out and it looked like a complete shambles from the outside. <laughs> was it a shambles on the inside as it looked from the outside? Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it was chaotic. Um, it, it was. Yeah, it was pretty full on. Like. Um, I guess everyone, I think it, when when you hear the news and all of that's going on, I think everyone immediately thinks, you know, um, how will this affect me? Um, so I feel like there's a, there were a lot of players who were just, you know, I think went inwards a little bit and started thinking of themselves maybe. Um, and probably everyone's on eggshells because you don't really know what the hell is going on. And yeah, um, and, 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 you know, you're worried, you're worried about your spot in the team, whether, you know, Sam likes you or not, um, who who he's even going to bring in as assistant coaches. You, you know, will the – I'm sure even the coaches were probably on edge too. Um, so, yeah, it, it, was a, it, was, it was a very, very interesting time. Um, because I had Clarko for the whole five years, I was all very stable. Um, I hadn't really experienced anything like, like that takeover. Um, and yeah, just with how long it dragged on for two was a, a bit distracting. But I think we won our last three games of the year in twenty twenty one, or maybe oh we drew against Richmond last round of the year. Yeah, drew the last game. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think maybe 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 it motivated everyone to play a bit better. But um, 
it was definitely a weird time. It was. Oh, it wasn't weird. It was weird from the outside. Good for you to confirm. It was just as weird on the inside as well. Ollie, it's been wonderful having a chat to you on the Hawks Insiders. We really appreciate you reaching out to say that you were happy to have a chat to us and for coming on tonight. Don't be a stranger if you, uh, if you want to loiter around here and come on and talk about anything, footy or non-footy, even the, the progress of the, of the, uh, the Kingston Hawks. So they're, they're the Hawks as well, so we're always happy to uh, follow them as well. So we really thank you for your time. Good luck for uh, Sunday out at Windy Hill. Uh, take Pfeiffer and, and make 50. Perfect. Thanks, Ash. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, thanks, mate. Thanks for joining us. That was Ollie Hanrahan, who uh, a, a great, uh, a good, important part of the Hawthorne Footy Club for a few years uh, there, and wonderful insight as well as to what it was like at the Footy Club in that chaotic time towards the end of 2021. That has been the Hawks Insider Safe Space. We've gone on for, for long enough tonight, I think. So just a reminder what we are doing on Monday night, Tuesday night, pretty much as soon as the last, within a couple of minutes of the last pick being called out on both nights. Look for the link, jump on the spaces. The boys will be taking you through it. I'll be making a cross at some stage from inside the room with the, the goss and all the colour and the uh, the atmos that's going on. I don't think we're actually allowed in the room, but we'll be in a, a in a room to the side. But uh, I'll have plenty to report inside the room as well. We'll be the only Hawks podcast of uh, Twitter space of any description actually at the event next week. So make us your first port of call when you want to find out what's going on. Uh, Weezy, any more housekeeping that I need to uh, take care of? No, I think you've summed it up nicely. Just uh, keep a lookout over the next few days for a few more articles that are non-election related, so a bit more fun uh, and a bit more light-hearted reading for everyone heading into the draft. Yes, and a big few days for the footy club as well. So thanks, everyone, for joining us. Thanks again for your support of Hawks Insiders. We've had a really terrific response to the um, AGM files. As I said, we didn't dwell on it tonight, but I think a lot of people found it to be very necessary, illuminating content. We were really pleased to provide. And thanks to the club and to the challengers as well for uh, making themselves available. It was a, a joint effort and a team effort to make it happen. Hopefully that uh, unity and team effort will continue post the election as well. So we we'll look forward to talking to you on Monday night, post the first round as we welcome a future 350 game, uh, triple Brownlow medal, premiership winning uh, captain to the football club and uh, and some handy players on Tuesday night as well. We'll talk to you then on Hawks Insiders. Thanks and good night.